Ba-dum, bum, bum. Man. That's all he got. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to What a Movie, a nostalgia-infused podcast. We are your hosts. I'm James Ferrero. And I'm Nicole Knutson. Merry Christmas. Once again, Merry Christmas to go with our um, December slash Christmas theme. Um... How are we doing today? <laughs> oh, we doing good. It's been it's been we've been very much in the Christmas spirit. Yes. Um fun fact, dear listener. It will have been two weeks since you last heard our voices, but it is still November 29th for us. We just recorded the Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer episode, and now we're doing back-to-back episodes. This is the first time we've ever done this. We are messing with the time and fabric of space. We can only do this because both uh rudolph and the movie we are about to watch now today again are under an hour each so it helps when they're both tv specials it helps when they're both rank and bass so without further ado we flash forward 10 years to the year 1974 making this the second oldest movie we'll be talking about on this podcast the year without a santa claus yes indeed so, nostalgic connections to this movie. Literally just those songs. That's it. Um, I think I mentioned in the last episode, I was not raised with a lot of these movies on that often. Like, there were bits and pieces that would flash up, but this, these were not Christmas traditions by any means growing up in my household. Um, so I found these more as I went, but the, but the song that everyone talks about from this movie, between the, was it the Heat Miser and the Cold Miser, are the only things that have really prevailed in my memory since then. So, um, yeah, that's my connection. It's hazy at best. Hazy at absolute best. Uh, What's your connection? Non-existent. I uh-huh. don't think I've ever seen this. So this is we're we're doing a complete one eighty from the last episode where for a brief period of time in my young life, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was my favorite movie. And now I I do not think I've seen this. Of the, the Rankin-Bass animated specials, I think the only ones that I've seen are obviously Rudolph, um, uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and then uh, Frosty the Snowman. I think uh-huh. those are the only three, and I, I watched those a lot growing up. But the other ones, I'm like maybe i've seen it or i've seen parts of it like that's what made this one so fun i feel for us is because like rudolph was one you obviously had a very deep connection with and this one you did not because we had to choose we were like there are so many different ones of these to choose from what do we do and we talked like maybe santa claus is coming to town maybe frosty and then i was like well why don't we like get weird with it let's do this other random one from 10 years later so yeah um so here we are talking about who knows the year without a santa claus um on a scale of one to ten how well do we either remember or know the plot i like maybe a three and a half four i mean mine's a zero okay okay uh, why don't we work together on this one, since we both don't necessarily have a connection? Okay, so just to clarify, have you seen this before, or is it just, like, the uh, clips of the maybe? songs? I think I had seen it before, but it was a long time ago. Long time. Okay. That's um, a film I haven't seen in a long time. But actually. So, clearly, it is about, as the title suggests, a, a year. year without a Santa Claus. <clears throat> I feel like... Santa is very tired. He's been working so hard for so long, and he 
needs a break because maybe he goes like in a similar route to Hermie in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He feels like his talents are not being appreciated. So he says, or maybe he takes Rudolph's petty path that Rudolph should have taken. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to bounce for a year. See mm-hmm. how you all fare. He's been crushed he's, by the consumerism of the holiday. And yeah. Like, and he's like, it. I need to go and sort of rediscover why I got into this business in the first place. <laughs> I need to go find he, myself again. Santa goes back to college. Yes. Um, and in this absence, which is on purpose, Heat Miser and Cold Miser seeing an opportunity for a hostile takeover of the North Pole economic system. Hence the capitalist society we discussed in the last episode. They swoop in and it's like Scar taking over Pride Rock. (laughs) Is everything just the Lion King? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, the Lion King is just Hamlet, so, you know... It is, you're right. <laughs> Holy shit. No one has made that connection before, ever. With a little bit of Henry the Fourth in there, too. <laughs> um, sorry, this is a huge tangent, but uh, dear listener, fun fact, when I was a senior in high school, my AP English class, we were reading Hamlet, and whenever we read a play, we would, we would read it out loud in class. And we got to the scene where the ghost comes to Hamlet and is like, remember, remember, and... Yeah, the scene ended, we were talking about it, and one of my classmates raised her hand. My teacher called on her, and she asked, Is the Lion King based on Hamlet? And it's like, yes, it is, actually. Welcome to the 21st century. <laughs> um, but we're not here to talk about Hamlet, and we're not here to talk about the Lion King. We're here to talk about, we're in the middle of our plot, quote, recap of... <laughs> You're without a Santa Claus. Um, that's... Anything to add to um, this... <laughs> I'm just getting a kick out of watching you go through this process. Uh-huh. It's very enjoyable. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that you're spot on. I think that Santa does get sick of it. I think he's sick of the consumer culture and decides to go, yeah, rediscover his passion for what he wants to do. Now, that in of itself could be an interesting side movie of, you know, him just, you know, sitting alone on an island somewhere in a hut, just drinking rum and becoming Ernest Hemingway, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but yes, and I and I do think that because I imagine we probably have some young protagonists. They're probably going to go try to find Santa, uh, even if he doesn't want to be found, because he's crawled himself into a, a little hole where he can just, like, drink and think about his life. But still, they will go find him, and they will have to encounter Heat Miser and Cold Miser, you know, this sort of, like, you must get past these antagonists, I think they might be. I don't know. Or, you know, for information or something like that. Uh I'll bet that it ends with Santa Claus coming back to town, so to say. Probably. My hypothesis was that Santa was going to be sort of like on the sidelines watching things unfold to be like, to secretly be going, I told you so. Oh, so he's a god of chaos, basically. Or he's like the, the um, who is it? The Duke in Measure for Measure. There's a lot of Shakespeare references being flung about in this I mean, you're not too far off, generally speaking. Of like, I'm going to step away in air quotes, but I'm actually going to see how the city functions without me present. I told you you couldn't do it without me. 
Now Sam will just take over. So I'm the, running the show now, motherfuckers. Anything else you want to add to our our imagined plot before we move on? Um, it takes place over the course of a year. Great. Nostalgia infused grade. Well, I guess what we usually do here is kind of our prediction, right? Of like yes. what we think it'll be at. when we don't have a strong memory of it. It mm-hmm. is what we predict our grade will be. Well, going back to last week's episode, the fact that I ended Rudolph with a B, and I thought overall Rudolph was a very fun, memorable movie, I have a feeling this one won't quite hit those heights for me, so I'm going to hedge that and give it a C plus to start off. Uh, I think I will be in that ballpark. I will predict my grade will be a C. C. Nice and average. And uh, we shall we shall see. Hey, <laughs> what it will be? So a a c b a collective that, bargaining agreement. Is that what that stands for? Mm-hmm. Alrighty, uh, if this is the first episode you've ever listened to, of what a movie and nostalgia so infused podcast. Um, weird flex, but we're glad you're here. Thank you for listening. Absolutely. Um, we're going to pause recording. We're gonna. We are going to go watch The Year Without a Santa Claus. Shut up. This is the second one we've done it a day. Um, If you would like to watch along with us, you can pause the episode and watch it and come back. And we will actually talk about the plot, the real plot, uh, and our thoughts and feelings. And um, yeah. You know the drill if you've been listening. Uh, Before we do that, what are we going to be drinking or snacking on? Oh, before we go to that, I did just remember where I think I remember watching this movie as Uh a kid. I have a very nostalgic memory of watching this in a second grade classroom. Just they had it on during the holidays, I want to say. I don't know why that sticks out in my head, but I feel like a lot of these old Rankin-Bass specials usually popped up in that class in second grade taught by a teacher who I ran into at a bar years later. It was very weird. But that's neither here nor there. Years later from second grade? I said years later. A few is in like, you know, 25 years later. (laughs) It's like, wow, you were a, a, you know, 10th grader going to a bar? What? Well, it was a different time. (laughs) Um, But anyway, uh, snacks and drinks. Well, now we're getting into the evening. It Uh, is now. We just had dinner. Yes. We may get some snacks out properly. Uh, possibly, there I don't know. There is still more we Halloween still candy. still got more Halloween candy. We didn't candy. eat all of it. <laughs> um, I may have a beer. We do have Sam Adams' winter seasonal collection. So I feel like that's kind of within the mood of everything. I'm considering that. Uh, what about you? I think I'm going to make myself a hot toddy. Hot toddy? Yes. Well, I thought I had a rhyme there, but I didn't. <laughs> Sorry. Yep. Because uh, I... Mostly just want to get cozy and have tea, but also with a little something stronger, and I feel like a hot toddy will be perfect for that. And also, um, again, since today is still the same day, it is November 29th, we just got our Christmas tree today, and our living room smells like a pine tree, and I just want to be cozy. I completely agree. You have your owl slippers on, so it seems like you are ready to go. Yes. Uh, Ready to go watch The Year Without a Santa Claus. Um, Anything else before we break? Uh, no. Alrighty, folks, we will be back soon. Insert quippy remark about the movie, but I don't 
have anything because I don't know this movie that well. We're rolling. Mark. Hello, I'm Sky. And I'm Ford. Together, we form the writing partnership of L. Skyford. We're excited to bring you Booklandia, a new podcast about books. On Booklandia, we review books, mostly. Honestly, mostly romance books. We'll occasionally discuss book topics, like our favorite and least favorite romance book tropes. Maybe one day I'll learn what a cinnamon roll is. Maybe. Perhaps we'll also dive into my psyche and why I hate the enemies to lovers trope and why it's such a popular one. Is it because you're a robot? Probably. We will absolutely spoil books for you. We will absolutely fucking curse. And you will leave each episode knowing just how sexy we thought each book was. Did it make us want to get naked? Maybe. I'm definitely naked. (laughs) Probably. So am I. So please join (laughs) us on Booklandia, (laughs) where each book is a whole world to explore. And we're out. Some people say denial is the greatest Christmas gift of all. Oh, God. What? Uh, I have lots of feelings and thoughts on this. What and a difference 10 years makes. We're going to get into that. Welcome back, everyone. Um, I sincerely hope that you didn't watch along with us. I hope you did. To the year without a Santa Claus. Um, oh, wow. So I wasn't that far off as far as like the instigating moment of like Santa is overworked and underappreciated and he's like i need a sick day more than fair and that's what prompts this whole this whole thing um i think we just need to get into it and we'll address things as they come up in the plot yes uh do you want to kick us off (laughs) well it all began with uh Santa's tired and feeling underappreciated, like we said, and it's all being told from the perspective of Mrs. Claus, yes. who is taking us back to tell us of this time there was a year without a Santa Claus. Yes, and this was, you know, they frame it as long before you were born, is how it is phrased. In a galaxy far, far away. Basically. It's that whole thing. It's like, you know, it's the fairy tale thing of Once Upon a Time, or Star Wars, in a galaxy far, far away. Um, once Upon a Time. <laughs> we also, we just rewatched the original Broadway production of Into the Woods. Um, Poor one out for uh, Stephen Sondheim. Poor a few out. Poor a few out. He he more than deserves them. Um, But yeah, he's... Santa's tired, and he's overworked, and uh, this is all exacerbated by the world's worst doctor. So in in this version of the North Pole, doctors exist. I can only assume that dentists also exist. This, this could this could have taken place years after Rudolph, where like that is now that now they have established medical practices. Yeah, but um anyway the doctor comes in being this curmudgeon of like, well, no wonder you're sick and is like, why do you even put yourself through this every year? People don't believe you uh, believe in you anymore, blah blah blah. And he's like, gotta get a new doctor here at the North Pole can't be that hard yeah but then santa's like i'm calling off christmas i'm calling out sick no one can cover me no one can cover my shift because even though i'm fucking santa claus i never came up with the contingency plan for me not being able to do this to which we follow up with the first of 
many weird, creepy moments in this movie. We have Mrs. Claus have a whole song saying how much he's fantasized about doing his job. Yeah, Mrs. Claus really, really wants to be Santa. Like, she dresses up in the in the clothes and is putting things on. It's like, she's like looking at herself in the mirror and like fantasizing herself as Santa all while he's passed out in bed. I kept thinking she was just going to smother him finally and be like, yeah. it's now my holiday. Yeah, and it's like, have, have you ever asked to come along on the Christmas Eve journey? Because this Santa, I'm sure, would be down with it. This yeah. is not... This is a far cry from, like, Rudolph Santa could not be bothered. He gave no fucks. Yeah. This Santa seems a little bit more like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, and, like, again, why do you have no contingency plan for when you are unable to fulfill your duties as Santa? Your wife, who clearly knows every inside and outside part of the North Pole operation, could clearly, closet, could clearly do this. Why is she not, you know officially second in command but why do all that when we immediately dismiss this this would be a trend for this movie where we set up something and then immediately go nah never mind next no instead we're gonna recruit uh two elves jingle and jangle and a baby reindeer named vixen a baby we'll we'll get to that baby vixen um to essentially go out into the world and find examples of goodwill and cheer to prove to santa that the spirit of christmas isn't dead and that people still believe in him but she sends the two dumbest elves with a baby reindeer with an inexperienced reindeer (sighs) really should have thought this one better better through mrs claus yeah um so off they go they run into snow miser and heat miser in their ongoing feud which also like nature spirits exist in this world because that's what they are yeah they're the children of mother nature who shows up later and they establish that they have this long-standing feud which is dangerous to go through and mrs claus has sent these two dumbasses with the baby reindeer through and she goes oh i didn't even think about that it's like oh wow this plan this is a horrible plan Mm -hmm. it's a horrible plan not a good plan but they wind up making it through the two misers fight okay, and they land in... Southtown, they USA. Land, they land in a place called Southtown, USA, which I thought, oh, you know, that's funny. Anything is going to be... Anything could be Southtown in relation mm-hmm. to the North Pole. And I just... I do need to jump ahead a little bit and address this. It was not confirmed that they are, in fact, in the American South until a little bit later when the mayor of Southtown is singing, like, oh, it's going to snow in Dixie. And judging by the um, attire that the people of Southtown are wearing, it implies that this is, like, late 1800s, early 1900s. It, it looked very Music man Yes. That's what I kept thinking. So, like, turn of the century, like, turn of the 20th century, which means... That these two elves and Mrs. Claus and Santa. And Vixen. And Vixen. Go to the Jim Crow South looking for goodwill and fucking cheer. And it makes me so angry. There is not a single black person in those sequences of events. It makes me, it fills me with rage. Yeah, I see. I didn't even. It fills me with rage. 
I it looked like some weird old regular American turn of the century town that was just looked like their attempt to be like, hey, it's like the music band. That's the kind of aesthetic we want. They specifically and I, say that they are in the South. And even like newspapers later on, it's like the like a newspaper from Atlanta. Um, it it like, oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't even put that together, but that is not good. That is not good. The the level of fury I feel at this. I just, okay, I just, I'm sure I'll come back to that because I'm so mad. But anyway, they land in Southtown, USA, and no one believes in Santa, no one cares about Christmas, and Jingle and Jangle get a ticket for riding a vixen the wrong way. (laughs) That didn't make me laugh. I'm like, what the fuck is this joke doing in here? This is this is supposed to be family entertainment. It's for people like me to go. <laughs> I know. I just like I enjoyed the joke too, but I was also very put off by it because it was so out of left field. What happens then? So basically, the big thing to remember is that Vixen is a reindeer who shouldn't be down this far south. So Vixen begins to feel the effects of being out of her natural habitat and is suffering as a result. Yeah, Vixen's so, not, not doing so well. Uh, Vixen, they also try to disguise Vixen... As a dog. As a dog. Doesn't work. It doesn't... Well, actually, it does, because then the dog catcher rounds up Vixen, I, I who thinks that Vixen work, is yeah. a dog, and then it becomes... But it doesn't work Trying well. to get Vixen out of the dog pound. Meanwhile, Jingle and Jangle are talking... To a bunch of school kids. They, there's a, there's go, a lot of, like, grown adults talking to let's young children. Let's talk to the kids on the school And I'm yard. like, this is not yeah. cool. Um, this is really shady. Also, while uh, this is happening, Santa wakes up. Mrs. Claus is like, so this is what happened. And, of course, he's like, what? You sent this them into the middle of idea. Heat Miser and Snow Miser? Oh, no. And so Mrs. Claus is like, oops, I forgot. He has to go down and try to fix this whole thing. And so here's another grown man popping out of the bushes talking to our one of our young protagonists is like hello little boy and it's like here we go uh you know when the weird old well-dressed old man jumps out of the bushes and wants to ask you some questions you keep on walking uh but we meet ignatius or iggy for short uh he's one of the kids that jingle and jangle talked to at the school who's inexplicably from new york there's a lot of characters that are inexplicably from New York in this movie. <laughs> this whole movie is inexplicably from New York. Um, uh, what what else? Uh, we go into we meet Iggy's, Iggy's family's house. There's this very long song about how Santa right. is like love. How even though you can't see him, he's always there. And he sneaks into your room, room in the middle and, of the night, which yeah, they do. Which also like th- this is creeper Santa. <laughs> This is like full on, I stood over your bed looking at you singing and then I smiled. It's like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> that, that sequence in the song happened. And it was like someone standing by my bed and it's like a scream is the correct response to that. Not like, <gasps> oh my God, it's Santa. You're real. That's not, no. But basically this long song has convinced Iggy that, yeah, maybe I should believe in Santa Claus. So mm-hmm. he's easily, easily manipulated. Um, um, but then... Both, but Santa does go down to get Vixen yes. out of the pound and Santa returns her. So out. that's all fine. Yeah, Santa goes directly to the pound, I think, and then Iggy 
and Jingle and Jangle go to the mayor to be like, hey, can it's like, I'd like to speak to the manager, please, is basically mm-hmm. the energy of that. And then the mayor is like, okay, I don't really believe any of what you're saying, but if you can make it snow in Southtown, then I'll believe you and I'll let your, your quote, reindeer go, except Santa has already gotten or is shortly about to get Vixen out of the pound, which then leads into the song that confirms that we are, in fact, in the American and South at the turn they, of the 20th and century. all and you fuck have you. to do is not say that you're in Dixie. Yeah. That's all. You if, can just, if you leave that out, then this doesn't have to be in the South. But they confirm that they are in the land of Dixie, and ugh. Not a great look. Ugh. Not a great look. Um... Uh, uh, the movie's kind of rambling along at this point, but now this is like the crux of the movie's conflict comes where, you know, they have to make it snow there. So now they have to go to the misers, starting with Snow Miser. And this is the only thing that I remember were these songs, which are arguably the most memorable thing about the movie because there's not a whole lot else that's memorable and about it's this, this movie. It's literally the same song twice. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have smashed them together and, like, you know, done a thing of, okay, we'll divide and conquer. We're going to have half of our crew go to Snow Miser, half of the crew is going to go to Heat Miser, and then it could have been just interposed. But this movie is it's, not concerned with pacing Oh, my God, at all. it just... It keeps going so and we, going so we and go, going. We go to Snow Miser and Snow Miser's like, of course I want to help you. It's cool. It turns out he's not so bad of a guy. Um, except that he can't make it snow down there because the South is controlled by his brother. And, of course, they're feuding. So then they go down to his brother and he says he'd do it if he can have some control over the North Pole. And so, you know, there's this back and forth. They try to get them to work it out. They don't. They're fighting. So then they decide to take it to the next the next person up, Mother Nature. Yep, who they pretty much solves it, it pretty quickly. Yeah, it was just like boys stop fighting, and then they do. And yeah, and they also refer to or Cold Miser refers to Heat Miser as his stepbrother. But if they're both, wouldn't they be half brothers or full brother? I don't know. Well, Mother likes him best, apparently. I guess. I don't know. But anyway, she, like, essentially grabs them each by the ear. She doesn't actually do this, but it has the feel of that, of, like, you are going to play nice, and you can, you know, um, heat miser, you can allow one day of snow down in fucking Dixie, and meanwhile, you, Mr. Snow, can allow a nice spring day, a single spring day up at the North Pole. Yes? Yes, and so that solves it. So it seems like movie over. We've solved that problem, however. And then that happens. It snows in Southtown. And part of the other agreement that they had made with the mayor of Southtown was that, you know, if you do this, I'll call all of the other mayors and all of the other towns and we'll declare, like, an official holiday for Santa. Santa. Really, I think the premise of this is just the elaborate and obscene steps that Santa has to go through to put in for a sick day at work. And which it's then, so much paperwork. Which then leads us to the final weird twist of the movie where he receives a letter from... He, he receives lots of lots letters. Lots of letters from these young kids Bing. who are all really sad that there won't be a Santa coming down. And they essentially 
guilt him in into doing it. Yeah. So he immediately turns around and is like, well, really, you should rest up. What about your gout and the crick and your back? And he's like, I and feel you're fine. And I'm like, Santa, you you need to rest. This do man not, will work himself to death before he takes a sick day. Do not let the capitalist machine tear you down. See what you I'm need saying? To it's, rest. A, it's, a, it's a capitalist regime, and he is a victim of it, much like Yukon Cornelius. Um, also, in that sequence of, like, kids sending, like, letters and presents to Santa because they wanted to send Christmas to Santa... There's people from all over the world in that one, including black people. So clearly they know the black people exist. They're just like, oh, no, they don't exist in Southtown. You fucking liars. You fucking liars. Ugh. I'm, I'm not going to let this go. I, I'm so mad. I mean, the best case scenario, and this is not a defense of it, but the best case scenario of this whole thing is just sheer not putting the pieces together and you know, putting a song in that you didn't bother to research of what it means. So at the very best, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible ignorant oversight. Yeah. But that doesn't make it any better. No. And yeah, it, it doesn't excuse it. And no, no, I, no, not at all. I don't care what the reason is. Um, but uh, It's fascinating <sighs> to think of the possible reasons, though, behind it is all I'm saying. I'm just so... Because it is so weird and random. One can't help but wonder why. But Santa's, Santa falls Santa. to the capitalist regime and says, I'm going to do it anyway. So basically this whole holiday was for nothing because yeah, he's also going the, down the, anyway. And the movie is a lie because there was no year without a Santa Claus. There it's has a never been a year without a Santa Claus. It's actually never happened. Yeah, it's it's a whole It was the year of, almost without a Santa Claus. Yeah, but I guess that doesn't make as good of a title. And that's it. That's the whole movie. That's like that. That's movie. literally it. It um, kind of it, does. It sound like it's a rambling mess because it kind of is. It is. It it really, really, truly is. If you want to talk about a huge step from what we were talking about last time, yeah, this is it, and not in the right direction. Um. So we've we've gone through the whole plot. We have not been talking about this very long. Um. Shall we? I feel like we've talked about this, but what worked for us and what didn't work for us? Well, not a whole lot worked for me. Um, everything that I said last time about, like, what still made Rudolph charming and that, like, you would think that that it would have aged a bit more, but it really hasn't. Like, a lot of things are, like, still pretty prevalent and still pretty relevant, and it still works. I would say that's the complete opposite here. I feel a lot of stuff here is very saccharine and very over the top and has not aged. And feels very, very old. And not in a good way. No, I mean, even before the the detail that enraged me so much dropped in the movie, I still, I wasn't having a great time watching it. It just, the whole movie just kind of meanders. Things just sort of happen. Yeah. It's not, none of the songs are memorable. There's um, not, apart there's from not like, a whole lot of heart to it, and when there is, it just feels very forced. Yeah, it feels like just really shallow and like, yeah, saccharine. I think is a good word for it. Of like, I'm thinking specifically of the scene with Iggy and his parents. And yeah, that whole no, song. it's just ugh. it's it drags. There is like no reason really for any of this to happen, or like, you know the snow miser and heat miser are just kind of there to like i think honestly to like 
bump up the runtime and, and, and to increase some energy. I will say that like their stuff is probably I see why it's the most memorable thing, and that's probably the only stuff that really they're worked also the, for me. Yeah, they're the most memorable characters. It's in the it. best. Yeah, it's the best voice acting in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's the most engaging comedy and songs and even though it goes on for a bit long it like still it's like a pop of energy that as soon as they're off again it just drags again like when they're not on screen Mm -hmm. this thing just 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 drags yeah they're also the most clearly defined characters like they have actual personalities like santa's just sick and tired all the time and mrs claus is just a little bit bumbling and is like she means well and eventually takes charge but and you know jingle and jangle are I mean, I don't know which is which. Couple I don't, of fucking more. It's like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. But not as interesting. But not as interesting. And that's before you get into the fact that they go to the Jim Crow South to find the Christmas spirit. I mean, if you're looking for, like, the it's, origins yeah. of, you know weaponized christianity and uh, and the commercial the spirit credit. i mean none of these are good things um then sure i guess well that's but that just kind of speaks to this entire movie and then for all everything else that we've talked about that the saccharine stuff that hasn't aged well is that this entire this entire viewpoint this entire sort of perspective just feels very very aged and very ill-informed yeah. And just and, the fact and, that's, that's, and that's the big issue. And the fact that Santa doesn't even get his vacation. Nope. He doesn't even get the thing that he clearly needs. No, it's just it's kind of a string of a lot of things being thrown together with a couple of engaging moments that just don't quite carry it through. Um but yeah. Should we just jump to Revised, revised grades. grades. This is, I There's think not this much is, more to really say I think this is going to be the record for our shortest episode. I um, mean, this movie does not really deserve so no, um, long of analysis. Why yeah. don't you start us off? Oh, God. You started at a C. I started at a C. Honestly, I'm so livid. I have to give this an F. I, wow. I, I am so mad. At this movie. I totally understand why. It was going to be in the D's before we got to that point, And now I'm, I just, I'm so upset. I'm, I'm not going to drop it that low. Uh, I started at a B. No, you were is, a C plus. I was a C plus. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I can't believe I started that high. Uh, yeah, this is going to drop down to a D minus for me. It's just, just out of pure... It's boring, it drags, the characters are not interesting. Snow Miser and Heat Miser are the only redeemable things, which keeps it out of the F tier for me, which is not giving them much credit, because I would have loved an entire movie with just them. That would have been fun. Yeah. I could get behind that. Um, But no, the rest of this movie is just a complete waste, a complete drag. There's nothing, there's nothing in here that is really worth Taking away what we talked last week about, or a couple weeks ago, of um, Rudolph still having these important lessons of it's like, you know, be yourself and don't be afraid if you're different. Like, that's okay to be a misfit and all those things that are like important lessons to teach kids who are watching these movies, you know, important things to know. And you do it in a very charming, fun way. There's not really any lessons in here that I can even impart to kids. It's just, it's just bland. There's just, there's nothing, nothing happens. It's just a big old nothing burger. 
a big old nothing burger is exactly what this is with um some some revisionist history some and some really some really, really ill-informed ignorant yeah things some going like on. Uh, some pretty uh, the racist erasure of black people from the South during that time period. Um, and really just any time in the United States history. Like, I, I know that, you know, for, for these movies that feature more human characters, I know they're all white, um, which, you know, is not cool, but it was a product of the times. But, like, it given the location and the time period in which this is clearly alluded to based off of the designs of the the, the clothes that the characters are wearing, it's just, it's like, also, that was not a good place to be. But also, we don't know when it actually takes place. We're going off of what the clothes look like, but clearly this is a weird magical world where maybe this is present day and everyone dresses like it's... The turn of the century. It's never explicitly stated but what year it is. But they say that this happened a long time ago before you were born. And this is in the 70s. Like, we're assuming that that unless line... It's, unless it's meant to take place in the future and they're alluding back to something else. See, we don't really know. The movie doesn't bother to give us specifics on this. But they, they are addressing an audience that it was written in the 70s for an audience in the 70s. Obviously, anybody who's creating anything hopes that it will last longer and will reach audiences beyond the time in which it was created. But that means that it was like, oh, a long time ago, it's probably at the turn of the 20th century, like late 1800s, early 1900s. I'll I'll give you that. You've already heard my thoughts. I'm very, very angry at this movie. Um, Yeah. I can't even get angry because this movie is just so stupid. It just, I feel a little dumber after watching it. I'm so mad that we paid to watch this. We paid $3 to rent this. Well, now we can just watch something else tonight and just kind of, you know, wash it out of our mouths. We're going to decorate our Christmas tree. Tell, tell you what. And try to forget this movie. Let's let's have some whiskey. Let's decorate the Christmas tree. And let's have ourselves a night. And we won't discuss this movie anymore. Oh, How's that good sound? God. I, wanna, I need to, like, scrub my brain and clear it out. You know, we do have that brain drain from We're Back. We're we Back is an infinitely better movie than this. Oh, my God. Anything's an infinitely better movie than this. Okay, um, there you have it. We do not recommend The Year Without a Santa Claus. We do not. Um, Unless you want to hear a fun song in the middle. But just, for that, go on YouTube and listen to the song. Yeah, find those clips on YouTube and call it a day. You have watched the most interesting part of this movie. Um, like, this movie is only about 50 minutes, about the same runtime as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I kept checking my watch to be like, how is this still going? How are, oh, yes. how are we still here? Um... This is what we get for choosing a movie blind, I suppose. You suggested this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't bring me into this. You, you suggested Rudolph. Yeah, but I loved Rudolph as a kid. You barely remembered this. But you agreed to it. Yeah, but I thought you had so a more... So you are just as... You are complacent. You, you are I complacent. thought that you had a stronger connection to this movie going in. Uh, I do with Snow Miser and Heat Miser. Okay. Anyway, uh, if you want to follow the show on social media, can you stop? I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving you exit music. Okay. Stop doing the bit. Uh, 
If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at WhatAMoviePod. If you've been enjoying this episode or the show as a whole, um, consider rating with five stars or leaving a review if you're listening on a platform that allows you to do that. Uh, If you want to find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram, I am at NicoleKnutson16. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TheRealJFerrero, real with two E's, like a film reel, and Ferrero is in Ferrero Rocher. All right, dear listener, it is nighttime for us. So good night, or good day, or good morning, whatever time of day it is for you. Uh, If you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you don't, I hope you're having a lovely Monday, which is when these drop, or whenever, whatever day you're listening to this. Um, I hope you're having a good one. We need need to get her off the podcast. She's about ready to punch a hole in the wall. I'm so angry. Uh, But please, we hope that you come back and join us in the new year. When we get started again, we will be off the holiday train and back into our regularly scheduled programming, and we'll be returning with an old favorite, an actual favorite of mine that I did grow up with, that I do remember watching from the 90s, about a lovable dog who gets taken in by a family and a dad who isn't so keen on the prospect. But until then... I'm James Ferrero. And I'm Nicole Knutson. And what What a a movie. God damn it. Ho, 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 